Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, event sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and your commodore of cocktails. Hey, thanks for taking uh, this Saturday night to join me on air right here in 570 KVI. Um, hope you've talked about your, told your friends about this show, because we, uh, we love talking about wine, beer, spirits, cocktails, food, events, and education from all around the world. And uh, let's see, Sunday tomorrow, I'll be down at the International Pinot Noir Celebration. It's uh, in McMinnville, and it's uh, super fun. Um, they have this huge tasting in the afternoon, and uh, probably 80 different wineries and hundreds of wines, and uh, uh, a Uber designated driver for sure, and that's taking place. But remember, uh, this is August. This is the tail end of July, and thank goodness we have 31 days in July because uh, we need all the sunshine we can get. And uh, so August is coming up. We've got uh, a couple events here at Pike Place Market and also the Auction of Washington Wines. But I'll tell you more about that later. I want to take a trip down to California, down to a little place called Mendocino, and I've got uh, Miss Jamie Peters, who's an event director for this really, really cool event called Wine Song. I know we have the Auction of Washington Wines here in Seattle and Woodenville. Benefits Children's Hospital, and this is kind of a template that started way back in uh, Burgundy with the Hospice to Rhone. But uh, hey, Jamie Peters, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you so much. Good evening. Good evening, and uh, I hope it's a beautiful day down there. So Wine Song is a food and wine festival in September. Tell me about it. It is glorious, um, if I do say so myself. Uh, We're in our 33rd year, and it is a food and wine pairing, and it's also a charity auction. But the food and wine pairing, um, in fact, the entire event takes place outdoors at the Mendocino Coast Botanical Gardens, which is just a stunning setting. And we have up to about 100 wineries, and we cap the, uh, the food purveyors, the executive chefs and restaurants, at 50. And it's just glorious. It's set amongst about nine different tasting areas with music around every bend, and it is a lovely day of sipping and savoring. All right. Well, let's talk about where where is Mendocino? Well, we are about three, three, three and a half hours northwest of San Francisco. So it is a lovely, windy drive to the northwest. Not quite as northwest as you, of course. And what airport would you fly into if you wanted to tra- travel and go visit? Check it out. The closest um, would be Santa Rosa on a more commercial flight, but we have had people fly up to the Little River Airport um, on private planes or on chartered planes. Well, yeah, my private plane's in the shop right now, so I'm sure. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pretty wild. So 33 years, and, you know, I looked at this template. I know that you sent me a package of information, and this is not just one building. This is really, uh, looks like several square blocks of of, um, greenery and, and outdoors. Is that the case? It's a 47-acre botanical gardens, so there are no buildings per se. Um, we have a, an auction tent, um, and we have some live auction display tents, but all, all of the vendors are um, outside under the canopy of trees. Ah, sounds uh, very, very pleasant. Now, here in Seattle, we always have a challenge um, scheduling dates outside because we can never <laughs> depend on weather, but I trust at Mendocino, you, you probably have a wonderful Indian summer down there, or... 
it's uh, fall is about the most beautiful time, in my opinion, on the Mendocino coast. Um, the the tricky thing is that, of course, for our winemakers, that's when a harvest happens. Um, so it's it's really difficult um, for some of our boutique wineries, but man, they make a great effort and they show up. And so it's just it's such a beautiful, inviting setting for people to come and taste wines from all over. Sounds amazing. We well, see all over. Is it all over Mendocino, or is this a international kind of thing? Or and uh, it, what is the, what are the ticket prices? So it is um, wines, like I said, from all over. So we are um, a foundation that puts on this event. So we're not necessarily beholden to just having Mendocino County wines, although we love them, um, and they do make up about seventy-five, eighty percent of our uh, wineries that participate. But we have wineries from Napa, and we have wineries from. Um, Sonoma, and we have some wineries from down in Paso Robles, and we have had wineries um, actually from your up in uh, your neck of the woods as well, and we we do have wines this year from South Africa um, as we're offering a trip to South Africa. So, oh wow, gonna, yeah. Did you yeah, work with so. the wines of South Africa out of New York to figure that to get that together? Or? Out of South Africa. <laughs> oh, really? Awesome. I was Email just... is a beautiful thing. <laughs> oh, it's true. I was just there in uh, November. Fantastic place. Yeah, I love it. Nice. And the wines nice. are spectacular as well. Good, good. And well, and then you can have a safari. Yes, uh, the safari <laughs> is amazing. It, uh, it's really... It's crazy to think that that's how life was or it's supposed to be. Right, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's pretty exciting. So uh, yeah. this all generates funds. This is a charity event. And mm-hmm. um, what's the ticket cost and where do the funds uh, benefit? So the ticket cost, we have two levels. We have a general admission, which is $150. And then our auction reserve ticket price is $250. And this all benefits the Mendocino Coast District Hospital. So it's our little rural hospital that services about a 600-square-mile area. So that's the entire coast, Mendocino Coast, plus it goes inland quite a way. And um, for anyone that's been in this area, you know, it's there are only two or three roads in and out, and they're pretty windy. So you can imagine if you need emergency services, the last thing you want to do is try and take one of those roads an hour to an hour and a half away. Wow. So it's really important that we keep our hospital here on the coast viable, not only for our residents, but for the thousands of people that visit every year as well. Sure. And how many people do you uh, do attend uh, Wine Song annually? We have to cap it at 1,800 people. Oh, really? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And is there easy access? Is there parking? Is there a transit system, or or do yes. people? And there's we, enough hotels for all that. There, there are, there are. In fact, the hotels you can get them in all for for all ranges. I mean, you can do something that's you know really on the economic end, or you can do something that's on the on the high end that's just stunning and beautiful. It just depends on what you want your experience. And we also have glamping facilities and camping <laughs> facilities. And then we offer shuttle rides to that go to most of the um, most of the hotels. Um, plus, we have some major parking areas, so we shuttle everyone. We definitely are a proponent of safe rides um, because we don't want people sure. not being able to get home safely. Of course. So. Yes, and I, I imagine this uh, this this great event takes a lot of hands and minds and, and weeks and months of preparation. How many people are volunteering to help you with this event? Are you ready? I'm ready. 300 plus. 300 plus. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So it's yeah, really community, all, huh? It is. And a lot of the uh, a lot of the staff, doctors, administrators, um, what have you, at the hospital 
if they're not working on Wine Song Saturday, they're volunteering. So a lot of the servers in our auction tent, our auction lunch tent, um, are hospital personnel, and they just fill a myriad of roles, which is amazing. And then we have people, we have other volunteers that are coming also, not just from our area. We have a team that comes from Chico or a team that comes from um, Inland Mendocino. Uh, out for our event, we've had folks come from San Francisco to, to uh, help us out, which has been great. Wow. And how long have you been executive director? I have been uh, in this position uh, for four. This is my fourth year. And were you volunteering prior to this, or just you just an events guru and uh, professional that saw an opportunity and was accepted? Or well, I have had a little event experience background, but I did start off as a volunteer. All right. I, uh, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I moved to this area from San Francisco, so um, but it's it's an amazing event with a myriad of moving parts and. Um, yeah, so, so you <laughs> we couldn't do it with it if we didn't have the community support. Oh yeah, it, it and especially if you want to make it really nice, it takes a lot of the attention to detail and a lot of people to help ensure that because uh, when you have 1,800 people and a lot of alcohol, <laughs> things can right. uh, uh, take a left when you want to go straight. Uh, speaking with Jamie Peters, the event director for Wine Song, and Wine Song is a, a one day event. It's a inter well, we can call it international. Yeah, international wine and food event down in Mendocino, three and a half hours northwest of San Francisco. You can flying to Santa Rosa and cruise down that windy hill, uh, find a hotel room. Now, when you get to Wine Song, you get uh, a glass, I imagine, a souvenir glass. Now, everything is, is open to taste and spit and all that stuff, or do you need tickets? Yes. Or Yes, so you can purchase tickets when you, when you, if you just came up without getting tickets, you could purchase, most likely, a general admission ticket the day of. The auction reserve we stopped selling tickets for that. But like last year, we, we were nearly at capacity before the event. So wow. we didn't have as many ticket sales the day of. Um, but uh, yeah, you can cruise up. It's actually a whole weekend of activities. We have a beautiful uh, Pinot Noir celebration the Friday before. So if all of a sudden you're feeling a cold coming on, uh, hint, hint, you can always uh, make a drive up on Friday and enjoy that at um, a Little River Inn. And that is strictly Pinot Noir um, wine served there, so it's a little bit more focused um, tasting. That's pretty neat. Um, and as far as the yeah. chefs go, um, are, are there what are the, who are the chefs? Are the James Beard Award winning chefs, or who are some of the the flavors of, of, of personalities down there? Well, well, I think everybody is a personality. <laughs> if, <laughs> yeah. you come, if you visit us, you'll know that for sure. But we have uh, a wonderful chef. His name is uh, Kim Badenhop. Um, who has a table under K-Bistro and um, also donates an auction lot um, for a winemaker dinner. And he is fantastic. He used to run this restaurant um, called The Rendezvous Cafe, and uh, they they gained quite a bit of accolades. We also have um, uh, Little River Inn has a great chef in Mark Dim. Then we have... Um, uh, we have a lot of our local restaurants. There's a great restaurant, Ledford House, and Lisa Gear is uh, the chef for that with her husband Tony. And so, the the eateries tend to be a little bit more local. However, um, we have other chefs that donate uh, auction lots. So, um, and even there's a, a wonderful restaurant called The Girl and the Fig in Sonoma. Oh yes, and they're they're doing a dinner for um, eight 
with our one of our honored auction chairs, Mr. Dan Berger, who you may know as yes. a wine writer and critic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dan, he's so. he's everywhere. It seems that's pretty cool. <laughs> he's a great guy. He's wonderful. So tickets are available at winesong.org. Org. Yes, sir. That's great. Now you mentioned an auction, an auction lunch. Um, what what's the timeline? It starts at a noon thing, and you do the lunch first, and that's optional. Tell take me through the day. So wine song is is. A classic two-in-one event. So the first half of the day, which would be 11 a.m. to one, or excuse me, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., is when we have the tasting, and we also have a silent auction happening simultaneous to that. Um, so people can go around and they can see what silent auctions there are. They can taste wines, um, and many of the people that are um, pouring at the event also have an auction lot. So if you find your new favorite wine, you definitely want to go see what their auction lot is so that you can bid on that. Ah, good, good. Um, at 2 o'clock, that portion of the day ends, and we start with our live auction. And that is a sit-down lunch, and it's actually um, catered this year by Chef David LaMonica, who was the executive chef and owner of Cafe Beaujolais. Oh, how so, fun. Which was uh, quite a lovely restaurant in Mendocino Village. Uh, so he's doing the lunch for everybody. We have another fantastic uh, pastry chef uh, from a, a little restaurant called, or it's not, not a restaurant, but a little patisserie called A Sweet Affair, and <laughs> it's lovely, absolutely lovely. So neat. And when does the uh, event conclude? 5 p.m. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's all day. And and the thing that a lot of people don't realize that if, if you're a general admission ticket holder, you can still register and bid on anything. Uh, um, you just have to register for it. That's all. And um, and it doesn't cost you anything extra to register. But some people don't realize that that's a possibility. So we definitely want to make sure that they know that if they see something, even if they don't have an auction reserve ticket, uh, that they can still bid on it. Oh, sounds fantastic. And so yeah. what's what's your ex- anticipated uh, re- revenue to benefit the hospital? I sorely, dearly, <laughs> want to break the million-dollar glass ceiling. Um, we oftentimes uh, will will have lots that are very similar to some of these other big um, wine auctions. Sure, but we get a fraction of of the taking because I mean it's we're kind of thought of as a place to get a real bargain for some of these amazing trips. I love it. Um, Hey. Well, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I wish I could afford it. And I will be in France yeah. that, that month, but I wish oh. you the best of luck. And uh, Jamie so Peters much. with Winesong.org, uh, best of luck on your event. Christopher, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Hey, folks, stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. A Northwest original. Lars Larson, live weekdays, noon to 3. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round two. I've got two bottles of wine and two glasses of that same wine right in front of me because we're still in California. We're hanging out in Mendocino uh, talking about wine song. And uh, I'm really pleased to have uh, one of the winery proprietors down there, uh, father and da- Fathers and Daughters Cellars. It's Guy Bakura. Hey, Guy, welcome to Happy Hour. Thanks, Chris. It's great to be here. Yeah, so I uh, hope you're having a great Saturday night. Um, fathers and Daughters Cellars, this doesn't sound like a one-man operation. Tell me about it. Well, it's actually a, kind of a multi-generational winery. My wife's family had a vineyard, has a vineyard in the Anderson Valley, but they had never actually produced a wine from it before. They've always sold their fruit to other wineries. 
And uh, when my wife and I had our daughter, Ella, in 2012, we said we wanted to make a wine that we could lay down for her to have on her 21st birthday. And so we made Ella's Reserve the, the first uh, the first issue of it. And uh, she was awake, actually, when we were picking fruit at 4.30 in the morning, so we had her in the backpack with us out there picking uh, her first wine. Oh, wow. What was the first vintage? First vintage was 2012 Pinot Noir. Wow, okay. Now, tell me about Anderson Valley, and this is part of the Mendocino County Appalachian, or is that separate? No, it, it's a different. It's, its own Appalachian. All right, and uh, what's the weather like there? When you think of Anderson Valley, tell me some of the grapes and some of the, the climate. Sure. Well, Anderson Valley uh, it benefits from from being a valley that pulls that pulls the uh, the weather in from the coast. So during the summers you have hot days, uh, 80s and 90s during the day, where it drops down into the 60s at night, and the fog comes in from the coast. So it's a perfect climate for the fruit. Um, they're known for their Pinot Noir now, uh, world class Pinots, but. Prior to that, it's the Alsatian varietals that uh, that did really well there. Really, the Gewurztraminers and Rieslings. Uh huh. Cool. Well, you know, I I know that uh, there is a very a Rotor Estate. I think is out of Anderson Valley. That's a sparkly wine producer, I believe. And they are. They're they're only uh, they're only place outside of France, and I believe, from what I understand, that they selected it because the climate was so similar to where they were in France. That's cool. It's pretty neat. So, uh, you, did, who's making the wine? And um, is this? Is there more than one father? Is this? You said multi generational, grandpa and all that, or? Well, there's there's my wife and her dad, Got myself, it. my older daughter Taylor, and our daughter Ella. Okay, so it's a a, a five person team there. It is. So it is, and, and we work with a, a winemaker, Phil Baxter, who has his own label, Baxter Wines. And we we asked Phil if he would if he would craft ours because he's known as a winemaker that can make pinots you can lay down. Cool. Which, well, which was important for our first vintage. I'm excited about that. So um, I've got the 2014 uh, Fathers and Daughters Pinot Noir, the Ella's Reserve, and the family vineyard. It's called Farrington Vineyard. Is that right? Correct. What's the size and what grapes are growing in Farrington Vineyard? So Farrington Vineyard, uh, my wife's uh, father bought it in 1996. It's a 160-acre vineyard and about 72 or 73 acres under vine. Um, and we're just uh, in the process of creating a new block, a three-acre block, uh, that I believe we're going to call Tie the Knot. It's up at the top of the vineyard where my wife and I got married in uh, 2010. Cute. And, uh, and on, on the vineyard, they grow Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, and Gewurztraminer. Ah, and I, first thing I said when I opened up this bottle of white wine here, and it just says uh, the the dance twenty sixteen, is that it smells like Gewurz and Vignet or something. You have yeah, you get the Gewurz on the nose. It's a sixty percent Sauvignon Blanc, thirty Chardonnay, and ten Gewurz. Really, uh, and it's the Gewurz that really uh, hits you when you in the aromatics. Interesting blend. Um, something uh, uh, I've never had, but I tell you, it's a really well balanced wine. How did this sort of blend come about? Is this just basically what you, you had in the vineyard, huh? Well, we you know our 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 philosophy, our focus up. up uh, through the last several years has been to produce only wines that we can source from the Farrington Vineyard. Uh, and, and these were the three white varietals. And so we tried a, a variety of, of, of different percentages of each varietal. 
and this is where we ended up. Uh, any any more, and the Gewurz is overpowering, and any less, and it really doesn't lift it like it does at this blend. Yeah, it's a very pretty wine. I love the floral aromas, the bouquet, and uh, of course, you. I don't taste any wood on this wine, you know, from the Chardonnay. Is it all stainless? It's uh, it's neutral oak for the first four months, and then it's stainless for the balance. Right, and I did get a, just a touch of lees contact, a little lees finish here, leesy, mm-hmm. uh, which is delicious, and it seems to be mostly dry. I think there's just a bit of residual sugar. Which is, which is the style in the Anderson Valley, uh, a very very traditional uh, style for for these these varietals. They tend to they they tend to surprise people. A lot of people say, oh, Gewürztraminer, or oh, Riesling, it must be very sweet. But it's not. It's not the Alsatian style that they do in the Valley. Uh, and I, you know, when people say, talk about sweetened wines, I say, don't worry, it's not about the sugar. It's about the yep. acid. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> if you got the acid there, you will never, don't mind how much sugar's there because it's all got to balance. But uh, um, delicious wine, what do these wines run? I mean, the, the, the dance would be in that $20 range? It's, I believe it's uh, 28. 28. Oh, excellent. And the cork finish. Um, let's talk about Ella's Reserve. Uh, 2012, did you actually select special barrels of wine, or is this special um, parcels in your vineyard? We, we picked from the same blocks that William Sion sources their fruit from at, at Farrington. Uh, and we each year our, our, uh, our blend of clones differs slightly. Um, but we we always try to go with with what we think is the best at that at that year. Uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, so William Selliams has got a got a vineyard there. Yeah, do what they do. It's probably a, a, a good um, a good line of philosophy to follow there. And well, they, they they've been buying Farrington fruit almost from the outset. Almost uh, I think from 1996 or 97. Wow. And um, how many different wineries are sourcing your fruit? Well, that's a good question. It, that changes from year to year, and, and that's a question for my father-in-law, who, who manages uh, who manages that. I, I'd say it's probably somewhere between eight and ten. Okay, very cool. All right, so um, this the father and daughter's Pinot Noir, twenty fourteen. What was the vintage like? I, I, I trust. I want to say it's. We never talk about a bad vintage in Anderson Valley, or I never heard of one. Is that the kind of the case? Oh, 2008. Oh, and it's not 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 uh, due to the climate, but there were at that at the right before oh, the harvest fires? there were about a hundred fires yes, burning around the Anderson Valley. Wow, you know, very smoke tainted. But other than that, uh, it, it seems you know it, it's strange, but it, this was a very very dry year. We we had been in several years of drought up to 2014. This was probably the driest uh, of the drought years. Uh, since uh, since I've been up here, I've been up here ten years now, and so it had. When we first uh, first bottled, there was something unusual for a Farrington Pinot. It had an olive on the nose, and as and so we decided to lay it down for a year before we released it. And we we bottled it actually uh, last year, and then we released it this year. And and it seems to have changed now back to a more typical Farrington, which is uh, pomegranate, uh, a lot of berry on the nose. Uh, it just, it, it, you know, it's hard to make a bad wine with the Farrington Pinot. <laughs> well, and, congratulations. But, but Phil, Phil, is, Phil, the winemaker uh, that we're fortunate to have working with us, is just a master at working with, with the Farrington fruit. Um, you know, we use very little, very little new oak on it. Uh, so it, it's neat, to, especially to drink a vertical, uh, 
oh, of yeah. Farrington Pinots because y- you could taste the difference in the climate of the year that that the fruit was harvested from year to year because it's the only difference we pick from roughly the same blocks every year. Are there some single or uh, single vineyard labels out there that say Farrington Vineyard outside oh, yeah. of yours? Yeah, yeah. Arista, William Sellium. Uh. Uh, I know that Flowers. I don't know if they're still doing one, but they did one. Uh, yeah, there there are a number of them. Well, I just that, took a sip true. of the, the Ella's Reserve, and it is very juicy: pomegranate, black cherry, and, um, and, and moderate moderate plus acidity is just peaking on that acid. I think it's it's nice and ripe. It's like. You know, a ripe piece of fruit is not just perfectly sweet. It has some acidity, too. So that's just that balanced. And I don't get any new oak, but a little. I think you might use a little stems in here. Do you get just a touch? Uh, yes, they're a very small percentage, uh, whole cluster. I think it's, I can't remember what it was in 14, but I think it was somewhere between 10 and 15%. What I really like, too, is that that acid carries through. It finishes dry, and there is um, just a soft texture to the wine. It's, it's, it's as if... Did you have it in neutral oak for the most part? We had it in 25% new oak and then and then the balanced neutral oak. Right. Well, that's that's great because uh, Pinot does well. It, it can do well with, with a bunch of new oak, and we look at the French for that and perhaps even a lot of California people um, or even up to Oregon. But I, I like that it's it's just a deft touch. It just adds a little bit of spice, a little more character to it. And um, what's a website that people can find uh, your wines? It's F A N D and then a, and then another D sellers dot com. F A N D D sellers dot com. F A N D D sellers dot com. F A N D D sellers dot com. All right. Well, I'll try to remember that. Wow. Now, the pinot that you're trying there, try it again in an hour, and it's amazing how it evolves in the glass. I will. And uh, best of luck uh, at the uh, Wine Song event. And thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thanks for having us on. I appreciate it. Hey, that's Guy Pakura with Fathers and Daughters Cellars down in Mendocino and talking out of the Anderson Valley. Uh, we've got another winery coming up. It's called Lula Cellars down from that part of the world. Right When we come back from this break on Happy Hour Radio. Big names, big news. Sean Hannity, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Somalier, Christopher Chan. Hey, Seattle. I hope you're having a great Saturday night. Time for round three, and I've got... uh... Our third guest, it's Matt Parrish. He's uh, down in Mendocino in Anderson Valley somewhere. He's with Lula Cellars, and he's the winemaker there. Um, hey, Matt Parrish, welcome to Happy Hour. Hey, thanks, Christopher. Thanks for having me on. Certainly. So um, you have an accent. Uh, you're from New Zealand because I can blind taste wine and I can blind hear accents. So <laughs> tell, us how you, uh, you learned, right. tell us how you got into the wine biz and how you ended up where you are. Well, I, I, I grew up, obviously, in New Zealand, as you said, and then I studied and uh, did a degree in winemaking and viticulture in New Zealand, or a master's degree. And then, like most New Zealanders, you know, growing up in an island in the Pacific, you want to take off. And so, soon after I did that, I spent about five years doing what was then the flying winemaker routine, which was following the harvest between the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere, so making wine and 
Italy and France and then shooting back and making wine in New Zealand and Australia and places like that. And then about 15 years ago, uh, my wife and I talked about a bit of a step change, a bit of a life change, and so we decided to come to the U.S. And we, uh, we came over to California. And from there, I worked for a number of large companies, Constellation Wines and Treasury Wine Estates, for about 10 years. Wow. And then As a winemaker, recently, you mean? Uh, yeah, sorry? As a winemaker. As a winemaker, yeah, I came over uh, as a winemaker initially on the Central Coast, California's Central Coast, and then ended up in a role as Director of Winemaking for Constellation. And then a couple of years later, I took on the role of Chief Winemaker for Treasury Wine Estates. Wow. So, uh, yeah, and then my final role before exiting to take on the Lula Sellers role was uh, the International Chief Winemaker for NakedWines.com. So... Yeah, so lots of uh, different experiences, and uh, I've got to see a lot of uh, California, the Pacific Northwest, which I love, and and uh, lots of places around the world. So it's all been all been a great uh, a great fun gig. <laughs> well, I can imagine you said international director of wine for Treasury Wine Estates, so you would be going to Penfolds and to back to to Napa and wherever, wherever else they produce wine. Well, for Treasury, it was the Americas, so I was I focused on North and South America, so Argentina, Chile, and then all through uh, North America. So, uh, but for, for NakedWines.com, it was uh, it was international, so working with winemakers all over the world, so you know Spain, uh, New Zealand, everywhere. So that was a great role because it, it it really let me um, leverage kind of all those years of flying around and and working in different places and and knowing lots of different winemakers. So, yeah, a great time. That's pretty neat. Now, I know that there was a uh, a big Pinot Noir tasting in New Zealand several months back. Did you, by chance, go back for that? No, no, but lots of my winemaker friends were involved. and In fact, many of them were, you know, they, they organized the event and led the event. And I've been to it many years ago, and... Ever since, I've always wanted to go back, but it was just never the right time. But it's a it's a great event if any of your listeners get a chance. <laughs> well, you get to New Zealand, <laughs> spend a lot of time, and hang out, and just soak it up. Now, you said as a as a young person growing up, um, did you actually check out the whole island of New Zealand, the Southern Island, when you were there? Did you go to point to point to know that you couldn't get off? I, I don't know. I haven't been exactly point to point. I've I've definitely seen a lot of it, uh, but it's been a lot of years now, and it's changed a lot. Particularly places like Queenstown and oh yeah, and you know um, the, earthquakes the, the too, huh? Up, but you know, where my family uh, is based is Wiper, which is a small wine growing area just north of Christchurch, and um, we've, the family's actually got its own uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay vineyard. So. Yeah, so it's been in the blood, and um, it's it's uh, it's it's something that I've always wanted to do was be a winemaker from the early days. So uh, thankfully, I'm living out that that dream. That's cool. Did you play at home? Did you have some orange juice and you ferment it, or what did they drink for breakfast <laughs> down in New Zealand? Uh, yeah, no, I had a little bit of a play at home, and and um, you know we've made some some lovely wines over there, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the reality is I've spent more time now away from New Zealand than I have in New Zealand. So, uh, you know, life's catching up, but uh, but I'm enjoying it. It's all good. Well, tell me about Lula Sellers. Uh, is this your project, or did you did, did you want to slow down and let someone else take the reins and just uh, hang out with the grapes? Yeah, I, th- I think the um, 
Lula's a, a great and exciting project. It's um, for me. It was you know after fifteen, twenty years of uh, flying around the world and, and in these sort of uh, broader roles, I, I really wanted to get back to hands-on winemaking. And Lula Sellers, uh, you know, really is it's a small Anderson Valley winemaker that's really focused on producing, you know, world-class estate and vineyard designate Pinot Noirs. So. It's obviously centred in uh, Mendocino County, or Anderson Valley sits within that. Uh, it was established by a group of you know, wine professionals and enthusiasts, and, and the reason I got involved was through you know, relationships with uh, one, one of those individuals in particular. Um, and you know, they were really focused around you know, creating something special, but making it a great wine experience, you know, so... That it wasn't too stuffy, uh, and and the wines were approachable. That they truly reflected, you know, uh, Anderson Valley in the greater Mendocino County, and that sort of resonated with me. Um, and and it, as I said, it gives me that opportunity to get back to hands-on winemaking. And the other thing is, is that obviously it's focused on Pinot Noir, so it's kind of where um, I came from. And uh, over the years, I've made Pinot Noir around the world. Uh, I've made Pinot Noir. Uh, you know, down in, in Santa Rita all the way through to Oregon. Uh, and, and this was an opportunity to work in Anderson Valley, which I've always wanted to work in because it's, it's you know, Pinot Noir is one of those varieties that just really reflects where it's grown and made. And Anderson just makes such a beautiful style of Pinot Noir that I thought that um, this was a great opportunity. So the the... Vineyard is located in what they call the deep end of Anderson Valley. So it's the cooler end. Um, and there's a 20-acre vineyard uh, property there. That's where the cellar door is. And it's a, it's kind of a cute, quaint little cellar door that uh, is really friendly, you know, dog-friendly. Uh, it's, it's very laid back. And um, yeah, it's just a great sort of place to visit. And that's sort of... You know, all of those things resonated with me. We sell the wines to uh, club members and a couple of local restaurants. And that's really it. It's not a big uh, distribution brand um, per se. It's it's really, uh, you know, a, a group of people that are passionate about wine, Pinot Noir, Mendocino, Anderson Valley in particular, and just want to want to bring that to uh, bring that to their loyal tasting room wine club members so yeah that was that was the rationale interesting and, how uh, many owners are there uh there's five owners in total uh and you know each of them is brings different things they all come from a, a whole walk of lives and uh you know so um but at, at, and from a day-to-day perspective there's myself and a couple of others that you know, run the cellar door, run the marketing and PR and, and, you know, the general management. So it's a small team. We're only producing a couple of thousand cases, which um, is very small within the context of any winery, whether it's in the Pacific Northwest, California, anywhere in the world. So, yeah, so tight and focused. I like it. Uh, speaking with Matt Parrish, the winemaker at Lula Cellars down in Mendocino County. Um, is it lulacellars.com or do you, what's your website? Yeah, it's lulacellars.com. Excellent. And how many wines do you produce overall? So at the moment, we're producing about seven wines. It depends on the year, on the vintage. Uh, but the aim is to produce around 10 wines in total. And, you know, 
the way that we, we look at it is we want to have about half of those wines as estate and vineyard designate wines and about half of them coming from uh, Anderson Valley as in Anderson Valley Blends or the Greater Mendocino County. So off the estate, which is... Um, which is was planted over the last 10 years we're starting to get some of those wines coming into production now we're still planting so you know we really want to have a strong estate uh, portfolio and 95 percent of the estate is planted to a range of pen and wire clones uh, but then we also want to do some other interesting things so we're we're doing a cabernet this year uh, from a from a very unique site in the greater mendocino county appellation uh, we're looking at Chardonnay and, and other varieties. Um, and we're just about to launch a, a really interesting red blend, which is which is more focused on what I would say is, uh, you know, it's a red blend for Pinot Noir lovers versus the heavy-handed sort of Cabernet, Petit Syrah type uh, styles that you might see out there. So uh, that's that's the range. And, um, and, and really it's about, you know, leveraging uh, what we do uh, at the vineyard where we've got a lot of control and a lot of flexibility in, over the quality and then working with the right people at other vineyards to, to bring us um, some diversity and varieties and uh, and range. So, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a great fun. Hey, Matt, uh, hold on, hold that thought. Pleasure. When we come back from this break, I want to chat more with Matt Parrish of Lula Cellars right here on Happy Hour Radio. He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local weekdays, 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, Seattle, welcome back. It's time for our fourth and final segment, and I've still got uh, a Kiwi gone uh, Cali. It's Matt Parrish, winemaker for Lula Cellars. He's uh, making wine. It's a very focused project with Pinot Noir, a little Cabernet coming up on the side. Um, hey, Matt, you were talking about uh, Pinot Noir. The reason you like Pinot Noir is because it really shows a sense of place. And I, I was curious about that. For being a winemaker who's worked around the world with uh, of many varieties, especially Pinot Noir, when you think about sense of place, we know that Burgundy is we're always talking about that particular vineyard, that particular site. But it seems like other New World wines are a little more voluptuous, a little more ripe, and, and it's it we don't get that really earthy, lean, austere minerality or, or whatever we call it, the terroir, I'm not sure. What is that taste of place? How do you describe that? Well, I, I think uh, one of the best examples I've ever seen is where you, you grow pin and wire on a clay-based soil versus like a really rocky or uh, stony soil. And if you if you grow the same clone and, and pretty much pick it at the same time and grow it in the same way, what you'll see on the clay-based soil is quite a soft, um, mellow sort of pin and wire, particularly with the tannins. And if it's on the stony soil, you see a lot more gravelly, grainy, um, more astringent um, profile. But, um, yeah, I think that a lot of it to do is with, you know, particularly in the older uh, world like Burgundy, you've got um, clones that have become better suited to the site over a longer period of time, so they've acclimatised. They're also older in a lot of uh, in a lot of uh, examples. Uh, and we're starting to see that more in, in the new world where we're starting to understand which clones uh, work better in certain sites. But, you know, pin and wire is, you know, it's responsive to the soil, but it's also responsive to the to the climate, you know, the temperature. Um, you know, we're in Burgundy, 
you can have a moderate uh, season in some areas it can get quite hot particularly you know on the central coast of California in certain spots and things like that and I think that lends a lot to whether you get those um, you know those richer darkest uh, fruits in the wine or the level of acidity and things like that but um, yeah I mean I think it's a phenomenal variety just to grow and to make and one of the greatest things I like about it is so the, the the profiles that you get, as well as you know the textures that you get as a winemaker, I've always been focused on on the texture of wine. And uh, Pinot Noir has just got this great velvety, silky, smooth sort of profile that uh, is is just enamoring. So uh, that's that's my view. Um, did I cover off your question, Christopher? Oh yes, uh, it was a great a great explanation and description of what you believe that that taste of terroir. Because you, it, it's true that soil does affect obviously the, the flavor of grapes, but you put in a a great uh, uh, analogy where it's you know softer and then more astringent based on just the the grain of the soil, I guess, which is pretty neat. Um, I love it. So yeah, I, yeah. I've seen a bunch of Pinots. I went to the Santa uh, Santa Rosa Pinot, Russian River Pinot Noir Forum um, several years ago, and I, I was blown away by how dark some of these Pinot Noirs are. Now, I was skeptical, and they said it's 100% Pinot, but I've never seen color like that unless you're using Mega Purple. Uh, are, are all <laughs> your wines 100% Pinot? Are your Pinot Noirs? Yes, they are. Yep, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the thing is, I've never really, like other varieties like Cabernet and Merlot, we, we often blend a lot of different things into those wines. But Pinot, I've always kept them 100% pure. But uh, yeah, and I think, you know, the feedback that I get is customers sometimes feel more reassured when it's darker. But Anderson Valley, you just don't find a lot of dark Pinot Noirs. It's just not the not the climate for it. Well, um, I'm really pleased to talk to you. It's it's you've had quite a story to know that you were making wine for Constellation. You must have made millions of gallons of wine at one point. That's pretty cool. Yeah, a few. All right. Well, yeah. it's lulacellars.com. Matt Parrish, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Hey, cheers to everyone. Thank cheers you very to you. much. Thank you. Hey, that's Matt Parrish, the winemaker for Lula Cellars, and I believe they're participating in the Wine Song event down there, and that's coming up in September. It's uh, Saturday in September. Um, uh, gosh, I think we even talk about that date, but uh, it's winesong.org, and uh, take a trip. Um, it's worth the, the venture because it's a coastal ca- town, just like uh, Pacific Northwest here in Seattle, but uh, lots of food, lots of wine, and it's a one-day event, but they've got an evening on Friday as well. So it's uh, winesong.com. Uh, sorry, winesong.org, and uh, if you want to check out Fathers and Daughters Cellars, it's F-A-N-D-D-Cellars.com. I think I remembered that, fanned. Uh, and, of course, Lula Cellars. Um, I will see you guys out and about here. Uh, coming up in August, we have uh, the uh, Auction of Washington Wines, which takes place on that Thursday, the picnic, I believe is the 14th, 15th, or, well, check it out, Auction of Washington Wines. Org as well, and we've got the Pike Place Market, the Sunset Supper's coming up. It's on that Friday before. So you can go to the Winemaker's Picnic at San Michel, come back to Seattle for the uh, uh, Sunset Supper at Pike Place Market, and then you head out to the Grand Gala on Saturday night at the uh, Under the Tent at San Michel. It's all for a good cause. We're benefiting our community. We're benefiting um, our uh, Children's Hospital, of course, the Washington State University Enology Center. I hope you enjoyed the show. Look forward to chatting you next week. And remember, folks, life's always better with a designated driver. Cheers.